welcome to EV Life, the podcast all about EVs here in Alberta and across Canada. I'm your host, Crystal Maharaj, and I'm joined as usual by Allison Bench, the producer of the podcast. Hi, Crystal. So I understand today we're going to be talking about lithium. Yeah, this is such a great conversation. We'll be talking to Chris Dornbos, who is the CEO, president, and also the founder of E3 Lithium. So it is a lithium extraction company based here in Alberta. And he really shares so much insight into that industry and the process for extracting lithium here in Alberta. Yeah. And I I think that Albertans, you know, the oil and gas industry is such a big part of our provincial lives. Like you hear about it, everybody probably knows somebody who works in it. And, um, you know, it's very interesting because And obviously, Chris will get into this much more than I think either of us can explain. But a lot of the skills that people in oil and gas um, who work in that industry, it seems like they'll be transferable to working um, in the lithium industry as well. Yeah. And we we touch on that in the interview. And it's such a great interview. And I think, you know, it's probably best if we let Chris explain to our listeners all about that. And so let's just dive right into that interview. So this is my interview with Chris Dornbos, CEO, president and founder of E3 Lithium. I'm joined now by Chris Dornbos of E3 Lithium. Hi, Chris. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely. So I want to get into E3 Lithium and E3 Metals Corp. That's your company. You're the CEO, director, and founder of that company. But before we kind of dive into what the company does, I just want you to explain to our listeners a little bit about lithium, right? Because I, I don't know how familiar people are with with this and this mineral and how it's used in EVs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we we changed our name back uh, this summer to E3 Lithium. And the reason we did that is because what we found is that the company's hyper-focus had become on lithium as a product. Mm-hmm. Um, we're developing both the technology and, uh, and a resource to produce lithium products in the battery space. And where lithium is used today is the battery market. And then there's a there's a subsidiary market, which is the historic lithium uses, which is things like greases and ceramics, pharmaceuticals, is a traditional use case for lithium. But by 2030, the experts that follow the lithium space are estimating that 90 or 90% of the lithium produced on the planet will be consumed into the lithium ion battery market. Wow. And what's what we're really seeing is a mini industrial revolution happening. We are we are moving how we use electricity, how we transport electricity is fundamentally shifting across the world. And it was dominated uh, and still is in a large part by China and the development of their of the batteries out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Europe is very close to catching up, and then North America is uh, you know a third in that development. But everybody is committing to electrifying the world, and I mean the big item, the big thing that the world purchases that is going electric right now is uh, our cars. Yeah, the EVs. Exactly. And you're seeing semi-trucks go that way. Tesla and a couple other companies um, are are building, uh, designing and building electric uh, semis. So long-haul transport are going electric. The world is shifting towards electric. Um, And what it really required was a way to transport electricity very efficiently in a mobile sense. Mm-hmm. And although there are other battery technologies out there for mobile applications, it's the lithium ion battery. 
And that's why the biggest market for the lithium-ion battery are, are vehicles, because in terms of consumption of batteries and therefore consumption of lithium, the majority of the products by weight, you know, is going to the EV market. Right. Uh, and, and that's only growing right now. And can you talk a little bit about how how you attain lithium? So I, I believe there are two ways to actually acquire lithium, and one is through mining, and then there's the brine extraction. Is that right? Yeah. So there, historically, uh, there was one hard rock mine, mm-hmm. and there were evaporation ponds in several places, one in the United States, most of them in the lithium triangle, they call it in Chile and Argentina. You know, that landscape is shifting as lithium has become a commodity in high demand. Keep in mind that before the electric vehicle, the demand for lithium was was very small. And as these gigafactories are being designed and built, the the demand for lithium is, is, is skyrocketing. And it's, right. it's different than other commodities because it, it didn't have the production base like nickel does. Right. There's also is used in some of the battery chemistries. Lithium is used in all of the battery chemistries. OK. Um, and there, there just wasn't. There isn't the background supply. So every new amount of lithium that they need has to be brought on from a new project. And so that's shifting the landscape. So now what you're seeing is this emergence of what E3 has been developing for the past uh, six or so years, which is the direct extraction method. So we are a brine, right? Right. And so we're not a hard rock mine. We produce lithium out of a, 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 a water that has lithium dissolved in it. Okay. Traditionally, you did that by evaporating. So you poured that water onto the ground and the sun evaporated a bit and you precipitated out the sodium. And then you moved it to another pond and you precipitated out calcium and magnesium. And, and then you moved it and you got potash. And then eventually, you know, lithium is incredibly soluble. So the last thing in the in the in this water right. was the lithium and then they precipitated that out and made it into the, the the products that we use lithium for historically. Do you mind just talking about this process a little bit more because I think for at least for me and I'm sure for a lot of our listeners this is probably the first time that we're hearing about the process. So it seems like it, that process would be lengthy is that accurate or is it a, a quick process? The traditional brine evaporation ponds? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're generally, depending on the, the operator and, and their focus, you know, they're 12 to 24 months of residence time Okay. Um, to, to precipitate all the other elements out before you get the lithium into a product. And you're drilling to get this brine, correct? Yeah. So you, you drill a well and you pump the brine to surface and you pour it onto an evaporation pond. That's that's the historic way to do it. We're, we and our peers have developed a, a, a direct extraction method, so you don't have to evaporate first. And the fundamental difference there is that until this technology had been developed, lithium was cha- is challenging to get out um, of these brines mm-hmm. um, because calcium, magnesium, sodium generally want to react more readily than lithium. Right. So you, would, you normally would have had to remove those. That's why they use the precipitation in evaporation ponds, because now they're gone and it's easier to get lithium out. But the direct extraction technologies that have been developed, including ours, are only selective for lithium. And that's the fundamental change. So now we're able to take the brine out of the ground. We're able to put it through our ion exchange process and take the lithium out of the brine and and very little of anything else. We just get the lithium out. Right. And then we put the brine right back into the aquifer. So we don't actually evaporate. We don't have any of those surface evaporation ponds. We, we use an ion exchange system, which is a water softener, is a, another type of ion exchange. 
Mm-hmm. So very commonplace technology. But what we've done and what our peers have done is developed a, a, a medium that is in the ion exchange system that's selective for lithium. This is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's in my mind, it's going to revolutionize right. how lithium gets made. Because not only is it much simpler, yeah, it's it's also much more environmentally conscious. It it doesn't require a big open pit mine. It doesn't require an evaporation pond. Mm-hmm. So the surface disturbance, the interaction with fresh water, which is always a problem, especially in places in the desert like the Atacama, can be challenging. And this is a closed loop system, very small surface footprint. We're, and we're operating in Alberta, like uh, very similar to the way oil and gas operate. Okay. In the fact that you have a well and you're pumping from an aquifer. And I can get into the sort of transition there for Alberta, but it is, it is something that Alberta does every day in terms of the operations. Um, and we just take the lithium out and then we put the brine back down and then we turn that lithium into a sellable product. Are there just particular regions across the province that you're looking at to to do this mining? The main host brine in Alberta that that has the lithium is in a formation called the Leduc. Mm-hmm. The Leduc is well known in Alberta from an oil and gas perspective. In fact, in the 40s, Imperial Exxon drilled into that general complex, that that carbonate reef complex. Uh, and discovered oil, and that started the oil rush in the 40s into Alberta. And and in our area, um, they started exploiting oil out of this aquifer in the 60s right. and produced it until the 90s, at least Imperial did. And then, you know, it's been sold off to smaller and smaller companies because the oil is at the end of its cycle. There's not a lot of oil left, but the brine, which was the majority of what was in the aquifer to begin with, was the water. Right. Right. The oil floats in the water and you you suck it off the top. But all the water is it's probably 98, 99% of the fluid in this aquifer was water before it even started producing the oil out. Now the oil is mostly gone. So you have all this water left in, all the lithium is dissolved in the water. And so when we talk about the operations of this, we've been producing this water to surface because when you produce when you pump oil out, you get mostly water mm-hmm. and then you put it through a, a, a series of what they call separators and you separate the oil and the gas in the water and you put the water back down into the ground. Well, we do the exact same thing. We take the water out, we, we take the lithium out and we put the water back down. So in a lot of ways, it's very similar to what we do when we're trying to extract oil. You got it. Yeah. In, from an operational standpoint. Right. You know, and then obviously we make a product out the back of our, which is um, a lithium sulfate or lithium chloride. Um, and those two um, liquid uh, solutions are the precursors to the battery products. So if you want to make a lithium hydroxide, you can convert either of those into a lithium hydroxide. And that's what's selling. That's what is sold into uh, a battery. So we in Alberta will make those products. So you you kind of talked like I'm sure you're aware of the concerns that people have around the ethics of mining lithium. And, you know, there's just been so much conversations around this. So can you talk about some of the implications of mining lithium here in Alberta and what it would mean for Albertans, for the economy, job creation and the future of energy and even the environment? Yeah, it covers all of those. Mm. For, from job perspective, I think the best part about what E3 is doing is that it's the skill set Alberta already holds. 80% of what we're doing is done already every day in Alberta. Right. So you're saying the, the people who work in the oil and gas sector, like those skills are transferable to mining lithium. Well, and, and that's the thing. We're not mining. 
I think that's a fundamental um, sort of misnomer. We are we are extracting a mineral. Extracting, right? Because the mining would be the the rock extraction, and that's not what you're doing. Exactly, we're not we're not mining uh, a, a rock to get the lithium. We are pumping a fluid, right? And that's why it's very similar to oil and gas because that's exactly what you what an oil and gas company will do is pump that fluid from the aquifer mm-hmm. and extract the resource out of it. And that's what we're doing. We're pumping the fluid from the aquifer and extracting the resource out of it. So from that perspective, operationally identical to Alberta, mm-hmm. we then bring in the the basically it's if you look at it from an oil and gas perspective, uh, you know, what we make out of out of the first phase of our system, the direct extraction is the crude oil. And then what we will convert it into is the gasoline. I think that's actually sold to the market. The difference is with lithium is that there's no market for the crude oil product, right? Okay. The, the lithium sulfate, lithium chloride. The market is for the, the gasoline only. So we will build that conversion process, is what we call it in the industry, uh, mm-hmm. lithium conversion. And we will make the lithium hydroxide is our goal, is hydroxide mm-hmm. at battery grade. So we'll be able to sell directly to the battery manufacturers. And in the landscape of lithium today, very few companies actually do that. Most companies are selling their product to another party who does that conversion for them right. um, and makes the value of that between the, the, the non-battery quality to the battery quality. But E3 will make the, the battery quality stuff here in Alberta. So we'll do the refining as well. So lots of job creation opportunities there. It, well, exactly. I mean, um, because it's all, it's what we do here in Alberta every day. Right. Um, you know, we, and we're just the start. We're, you know, we're going to do a small, we think about 20,000 ton per year plant to start, but we can scale that 10 times, we think. Right. Which is we can continually, and the market needs that lithium. So mm-hmm. the market will absorb that extra product. So we can, we can increase the, the employment by 10 times from the first plant over however long it takes to, to scale. And we're not the only ones in Alberta. If we're successful, there are other companies trying to do this that are further behind us mm-hmm. that, you know, if we're successful, they also should also be successful. And then they will create jobs and then you'll have a whole lithium industry. Right. Yeah. And it's it's too it's too Alberta what oil is, in my mind, because we have the, some of the world's largest lithium resources in Alberta. Wow. And it's just kind of untapped at the moment. It's untapped. It's nascent, but it's it's on the verge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get this industry going. It doesn't replace oil. We're still going to be producing oil in this province for a very long time. Right. But it allows us to diversify because the market for lithium is not the market for oil. So we can produce other products that have a different market base that don't necessarily follow the oil prices. So that if there's um, a, a, you know, a downturn in the oil industry, we're, we're still keeping Albertans employed because we have this other industry producing another product. So I, you know, again, like a lot of people are concerned about the ethics around, you know, lithium extraction, but are those concerns relevant here in Alberta? Like I know we obviously have standards for employment and just regulations. So would you say that um, extracting lithium in Alberta would kind of alleviate some of these concerns that people have around the ethics of it that, you know, exist in other countries? I mean, yes. It, it's hard to do a comparison because it is local to the place and, and you know, there's ethics concerns. There's also environmental concerns um, and, and different operations have different issues outside uh, what we're trying to do. I think that, that Albertans can look at this as if it's the oil industry in terms of how we will employ people 
um, how those people will work, how they will uh, get paid, all of that stuff. There's going to be no difference between an oil and gas company in that sense and a lithium company. Right. So, so you know, I like I, without doing a comparison between other companies, we can just talk about how Alberta operates. Alberta operates with the best employment practices in, in and in Canada in general, right? Relative to a lot of places in the world, we have very high standards of work, very high standards of safety, and all of those would be deployed because we're in Alberta. Right. So, Chris, what drew you to start E3 Lithium, and why did you choose to make Alberta kind of your base? I, I mean, you mentioned that we do have this large um, reserve of lithium that we can tap into, but what what drew you to start this company? I sort of have always been interested in in doing doing something a bit different. Um, and you know, in 2014, we started to look at lithium because it was something different. It was a commodity that was on the rise. We wanted to, we wanted to look at it, at the electrification. We, and I'm a geologist. I come from the mineral and energy background. Worked for Suncor Petrocanada in in Calgary for a long time. And you know, I, we we saw this electrification coming. And you know, you you looked at Tesla, and you looked at cell phones. You looked at bat, computer batteries and all of these things. And you could just make some inferences that if other companies built batteries like Tesla did mm-hmm. and built electric cars, like the market is going to be so big and there's so little of that. There's a big opportunity here. And hey, we get to be uh, a mineral extractor or as you might say, a mining person and and participate in this electrification, this this revolution that's happening here. And so that was really personally attractive to me right. to to be able to do what I do. And participate in this in this growing new industry. So, we went looking for lithium. Specifically, um, we found this opportunity in Alberta. It had been untapped. It, like there was another project up north, north of Grand Prairie, but no one had looked here. So it was a, it was a huge opportunity, first mover advantage, because um, we could go out and we could get the land we needed to make this project successful. Um, and and then we the, we immediately realized that the challenge wasn't the land or the resource or the aquifer, all of those things were in line because we had lots of understanding because they'd been developed since the '60s in the area we're working. Right. Um, what we needed was the technology. And now in the landscape of of direct extraction technology, we're almost into 2023, and that technology challenge is is near gone. Oh. There are um, the the direct extraction processes are being developed. And, and are being implemented commercially mm-hmm. in other places. And even though ours is still being developed and, and we're going to pilot next year, the confidence that the market should have and, and Alberta should have is that this, this will operate. We will, we have the technology now developed across the industry where it's, it's just not who can implement and when they can they go. And for us, you know, we're trying to go as fast as we possibly can to get this out. So, if all goes to plan, you anticipate that actual production would begin next year? No, no. Um, the pilot will begin next year. Okay. Um, we're aiming for 2026 for first lithium out of Alberta in a commercial sense. Right. So you mentioned that your extraction is in the Leduc and you talked about Imperial Oil. So can you talk a little bit about your partnership with them and how that came to be? Yeah, sure. So um, we originally went to Imperial um, to just do a simple land lease agreement. And we started to really work with them in terms of what we were up to and and sort of get their head around the opportunities in the lithium space. And I think they, they started to understand that this was a, a fairly big opportunity. So 
we ended up transitioning that into they coming in as an investor. Um, and now they're also providing a bit of technical support. And I think you can look at it from that perspective that we've been working on getting this commercialized. We have this this big company that has expertise who used to own this aquifer for its oil mm-hmm. and are, are able to deploy that that knowledge and that 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 understanding data and stuff to us to help us out. And they're a 5% shareholder of the company. So it was pretty transformational. We worked on it for a long time um, with them to to get it right. And obviously they're a big company and, and things take longer to go through that that system. But right. the end result, you know, is is having a really big um, partner on board that that is supportive of the development of this industry who has the history. So and also a a company that just has a lot of history in Alberta in Alberta that, you know, Albertans trust, right? Because I think you know, maybe a lot of people see the lithium and oil and gas industries as competing, but you have a partner in an ONG company. Yeah, exactly. And and I think it, it does. It's like as a small company, as developing a new nascent industry and a new technology, um, you know, you're you're all about mitigating risk, mm-hmm. right? Because as you mitigate risk, you advance your project or you advance your project that mitigates risk. But no matter how you develop at the end of the day, the risk is gone because you're now producing a product, right? Right. And in terms of as as you when you start, you're just like we have some permits and we want to try to dissolve this. So, you know, those types of um, partnerships are fundamental to that de-risking. And then that also the the consequence of that is obviously confidence building because if somebody else has vetted you, who's mature and sophisticated in the space. Then, then the market understands, the, the general public understands that, that um, that's a very positive thing for, for them. And so that builds trust and, and therefore, and also the risk perspective coming down a little bit. So Chris, if all goes to plan, the pilot kicks off next year and we'll be, Alberta will be producing lithium as of 2026, right? That's our goal. Yeah. yeah. First lithium out of E3. Um, in South Central Alberta, 2026. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk to me, Chris. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we go? No, I think um, we're just very excited to be developing this. It's really important to have support from both the uh, the local provincial government, the Alberta government, and we've seen that with funding. We've seen that with, you know, they're changing permitting to in- include minerals from brines, which is really important for our project. And, and that was brought into law last year. And then they're working on the the background um, legislation for that. Um, and then the other side is that uh, the federal government is, is actively supporting the growth of the critical minerals industry in Canada and, and what uh, Minister Champagne calls the better ecosystem. And his department funded E3 with $27 million uh, to help us develop the project as well. So all of that support, you know. That's incredible. Yeah, it's it's been it has been very good for the industry. It's been very good, obviously, for us to to have that support. I think there's a big push for Canada to participate in this battery industry, not just producing the raw materials, which is what E3 does, but also making batteries um, and, and, and capturing a, a much bigger piece of this industry. Well, Chris, I certainly learned a lot, and I think our listeners will agree with me. So thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of EV Life. As always, I'm your host, Crystal Maharaj. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast anywhere you 
listen to your podcast. There will be a new episode coming out next Monday. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so you know exactly when the next episode comes out. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can do so by sending an email to community at ama.ab.ca. I'll talk to you next week.